Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Absurdity, where we explore all things absurd in religion, culture, and society. And Tony is joining me for the first part of a, a two-part episode, so we decided to give you a, a two-for-one uh, this this week. Uh, and uh, for us, this is actually uh, a two-for-on-recording this episode. So uh, both of us had a catastrophic failure um, with uh, our files on our respective ends and are re-recording this. So I'm just letting uh, that cat out of the bag immediately in case something comes up again, as things do. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It is what it is. Somehow a lost recording gets put up. It's just us going blah, 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 blah for like three hours. Yep, basically. And then, well, you say three hours. Like, I made the same mistake on three different hours worth of content. And uh, (laughs) I uh, am having to re record this. We had to re record part two. And then we had to, uh, I have to re record um, a different episode for something else. So it is like nonstop for me uh, having, and I'm in the middle of a move. Like, I had to be up at 4 a.m. this morning to take someone to the airport. And I went to sleep at 3 a.m. And uh, then 15 minutes after we're done here, I'm going to be moving all my furniture so to my new house. Yep. And this is the last recording we will do in my apartment. Um, after this, we are uh, I'll, I'll be in my house and have a re- dedicated recording space rather than like the foot of my bed in my room. Uh, and it's going to be... Uh, well, t- technically, that's still a dedicated recording space, but yeah. Yeah, but like... The, the the room itself the is only used place for place will be yeah only i'm gonna be that. honest with you though like the, the the room i'm using for my quote-unquote studio is really small and i'm kind of tempted to put my bed in it and then use the master bedroom as my record i'm like i'm i'm actually toying with the idea in my head uh because the <laughs> only thing i use my bedroom for is to actually go to like is to be in my bed like i don't need all that space necessarily yeah. so i'm like i could do it but i 
I don't know. We'll see. Um, luckily, my bed is easy to move if I decide that I want to. It's yeah. super easy to move my my bed. But air mattresses are just you just blow them up and they're there. So exactly, it's perfect. And I'm you know that's believable because I'm not married at twenty at twenty six. That's one hundred percent believable. Uh, <laughs> and then there's a pile of uh, used ramen bowls next to my next to my air mattress. Obviously, as a single, you know, as a bachelor or Velveeta mac and cheese. I, I respected you up until the Velveeta that no one should ever eat Velveeta for any reason. What? No, that is a lie. That is, that, that is, is a lie. That is orange chemicals. You are just, no, that's crap. That's, that's crap. Both. Um, Neither one is good. Neither the, one is good. The, they're amazing. But if you ever want to be grossed out, just go check out Vice's documentary on a dude who has only eaten Mac and cheese for like 17 years yeah. or so. Yeah. Like since he was five. I, yeah, it's mm-hmm. he has a cabinet full of just boxes of Velveeta and that is all he uses the same pot every time he like it is the I could only watch like five minutes of it. It was it was really gross. Um, yeah, it was not. So that's a good start to this episode. Um, hey, quick. America freedom to only eat Velveeta. Yeah. Where do you get this stuff? Where where where, where does this all come from, Tony? Are you OK? I don't know. The voices in my head, the the rock jock one is the rock jock he's just, one. He's just blaring out today. Hey everybody, welcome to ninety eight point seven, the cool man and Becker, and yeah, and Becker, uh, and Becker. So, uh, hey, quick disclaimer for everyone: um, this is an Adventist centric episode. This is an Adventist centric week. Um, we are talking about General Conference Annual Council, which just happened October 10 through 16 out in uh, Maryland and at the at the um, General Conference World Church kind of headquarters. And just so you kind of understand as we as we go into this tour, not Adventist listeners, um, you know, you're going to hear some stuff that really has frustrated us, angered us, some ridiculous things as well. Um, so just be patient with us as we work through it. So this episode is Tony and my kind of reaction to some of the stuff that that went down. Uh, and then part two with Matthew Lucio. It should be live at the exact same time. This is um, that episode. Kind of Matt and I talk about what's next. How do we what do we do with any you know, residual anger and, and frustrations that we have. And how do we actually, yeah. you know, take action from there? And, and Tony on, and I yeah. may, what do we may do? touch on a little bit of that, but this was something I, I felt like, um, would be warranted for, for two parts. Um, and, uh, if, and I would say this, like, I, I want to temper this conversation with, with a couple things, you know, just, just personally. And I, I think number one is this, um, both Tony and I are 100% committed, dedicated Seventh-day Adventists. Like Tony's in seminary. I work for a Seventh-day Adventist institution. I lay pastor a church. Um, and like, we are both kind of yep. like, we're both in this, we're not going anywhere. And so yeah. we, you know, I, I get that. I criticize a lot on this show. Tony criticizes a lot on this show. Um, but the one thing that I, I always hope comes across is we're not just criticizing because we don't like someone or because we, um, or, or want just, our just, way. Or, yeah. We're yeah. not trying to be cavalier just about anything. Yeah, exactly. We're doing this because um, we see things that we believe are, you know, damaging to people or are hurtful or wrong. And we're going to, and we're going to talk about those things. And we're going to hopefully, um, one of the things that I firmly believe is that we can't do anything if about these problems, if no one knows about them. And so Tony and I, uh, we talk about these things, we, we bring them to people's attention. Um, so that's number one. Um, 
number two, uh, the big thing is an explanation of kind of just a quick explanation of how our church works. So at the local level, you have the local church, then you have state conferences or regional conferences. Um, these typically, like you've got the Carolina conference that covers both of the Carolinas. You've got Florida conference, Arizona conference. So, um, but then you've got Georgia Cumberland, which covers like most of Tennessee and all of Georgia. Right. So, um, and then, but you've got, you know, Several, you've got all these different conferences that, that cover kind of this uh, about a state or two's region. And then you've got a union, which covers a region of, um, or a group conferences, of conferences. Like a section of conferences, yeah. Yep. So like I'm in, the, in, in Tennessee, I'm in the Southern Union, Florida Conference, Georgia Cumberland, Carolina Conferences, Gulf States. Um, those, are, those are in the, uh, the Southern Union as well as Kentucky, Tennessee. And... Then um, be up above the union, so to speak, is the division. The division is usually a continent. However, there are 13 divisions. There's not There's not 13 continents. Um, so it's mainly the division is basically like a really, really large area. It's the next step up from a union yeah. in size. Right. And uh, from there, then you have the, the general conference or the world church. Um, and so that, that's kind of the... the, the Technically, the highest level of authority in Adventism is the local church, but the you know the each step of that ladder basically is nominating people to become a part of constituencies and vote for uh, their own leadership. So you know the conference has constituency session where you know church members that are you know nominated by their own churches and by their you know by people within their conference will meet and vote on their church officers for the for their conference officers uh unions will have constituencies that like it it goes completely up the chain and yeah. so at the, the idea is that whenever a general conference meets these are delegates that have been chosen from around the world not by general conference but by um but by kind of local churches at some level of of that or at some point in that process um, so the, the highest level of authority at that point is whatever vote the general conference of the world church takes. So GC the short for general conference. It meets every five years in GC session. Next year is, um, GC 2020, and that's going to be the 61st general conference. And, uh, in between that, there are still things that happen in the church that need to be addressed as well as the agenda has to be set. People have to make, you know, what are the things we're actually going to talk about a general conference session? And so uh, there's something called the general conference executive committee, which meets as annual council. And mm -hmm. uh, they, they meet, uh, you know, every year for in the spring and every year in the fall. And they set the agenda. They talk policy. They, they vote on things that are important every, you know, every year. And uh, this kind of keeps the things going. This keeps the wheel turning as you know slowly as it may turn. And um, so, yeah, we just came out of annual council and some big things came out um, that uh, we, you know, some things people knew about going into it. Some things people didn't know. So Tony and I are going to be pretty candid. Uh, and Tony, I don't know That's, if you want to yeah. give any, any disclaimer personally for yourself here, but um, no, I mean, I, I, yeah. Yeah, you, you pretty much said it. I mean, it's just like we think we think that we can do better, you know, and yeah. so that's why we're saying this. If we thought it was like, well, this went as good as it could possibly go, then we wouldn't say anything, and it'd be like here here's how it went, um which I mean, we're still kind of describing it a little bit, but I think we're also going to talk about like here are the things that we could do better, here are the things that we think you know we can improve on. Um, 
Yeah. The things that are ridiculous I mean, and really weird. don't have a place here, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really have a place. It's unneeded. Um, it's not helpful, you know. I, I think yeah. that it just boils down to to me, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. It's like let's let's be discerning on what things are helpful and what things are going to make a positive difference. Yeah, exactly. So um we're gonna I we have links to things. Um we have uh there's gonna be a bunch of links in the show notes and the one thing that you should know is that Spectrum Magazine uh, basically live tweeted every meeting, which yeah. is wonderful because it's objective. Like literally, they're just like delegate X says Y. Says um, this. You know, it's very just straight to the point. There's no, there's really no spin. So even if you think Spectrum is biased, like these are tweets that you can just look up on Twitter and know what said without having to watch, you know, a bunch of hours of a live stream because this was live streamed for people to watch. And then you can verify on the live stream, should you so desire it. Um, yeah, because it has a timestamp. Yep, so you can find so out can exactly when it was it. set. Yeah. And um, so we'll we'll include links to the tweets that we referenced. We're going to do it for just for, for, for you know, um, speed's sake, but hopefully every link is here. If not, one thing you can do to find any of these quotes, um, if we for, if I forget a link or whatever, because there's going to be a ton of them, um, you can easily just search at Spectrum Mag on Twitter, space, and then like put a space bar, and then whatever word is, is in the tweet, um, and you should be able to, you know, one of the words in the tweet and you it should come right up, basically. That's how you search for a specific Twitter uh, tweet on, on Twitter. And uh, so we're going to kind of um, jump in on this. Uh, if you want more information, you head over to the scratchnews.com. There'll be a link there. We kind of did a recap of all of the stuff that was voted on, the official votes that took place and what was discussed kind of objectively. And then this is us just reacting to it. So the first thing I want to talk about uh, is the um, is the morning worships. So every day there was a there was a worship that 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 took place and on um on Sunday, Neil Nedley, who's the president of Weimar, um, came up and spoke, um, and he spoke on the health message. So if you're unfamiliar with the health message, it is just a, it's just a kind of one of the things that Adventism is known for. And it's, it's the idea that, uh, it, it focuses on the holistic health of a human being. And one of the main ways it focuses on that is through diet, um, and is through what we eat. And so, you know, if you yeah. go, it's, you know, if you're at an Adventist church, most of the time you're going to encounter vegetarian food. You're going to find meat substitutes instead of meat, unless it's like some super progressive church. Usually that's the only time, or like they do like some block party, some community service or outreach event where people would expect meat. That's where they would do it yeah. for, for non, or, you know. well, and this is, keep in mind, this is in the States. Like yeah, it's this a is different in the story States. outside of the States, Correct. but that this is, you know, yeah. Yeah. In the States is where Nedley is. So that's. It's yeah. relevant. So he's the, pre- the president of Weimar, which is a formerly unaccredited Adventist college, just got accredited. And it was hilarious because uh, Nedley uh, begins his message yeah. saying that he's been accredited by the highest accrediting or the, the university or college, sorry, Weimar Institute has been accredited by the highest accrediting body in the state of California without sacrificing its commitment to biblical values. And that's mm. like that specific statement is such a like... It, it is it is such a pointed attack yeah and like I, and it sounds like i'm reading into this statement but i'm not because there's a lot of there are a lot of of um i've seen this in several different circles online and in person where people criticize adventist universities 
uh, for being accredited and being at the mercy of the state, right? Receiving state funds, whatever, and sacrificing yeah. certain values in order to get accreditation and get that, that federal funding. And so, yeah. um, or state funding. And this is, and so it's been a crit- long, crit- like, oh, we shouldn't be teaching anything about evolution in our schools, things like that. Um, yeah. So for him to say, like, we, we got accredited, oh, and by the way, we did it without sacrificing yeah. our commitment to biblical values. Like, already he's starting off on a foot of, like, of this kind of... It's a giant um, humble brag. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And, like, it's cool, and it's something to be celebrated that he did, that, like, that Weimar did that, if they, you know, great. I, I'm not saying that them being accredited and not having to sacrifice is a bad thing. It just here. It just seems like he's trying to make a he's trying petty. to make a bigger statement, and yeah. it's and it seems yeah. petty. So already he starts off with this kind of, and it maybe it sounds like I'm painting a picture. I don't really care if I do because the next thing that comes up from him is objectively on its own bad enough. Um, he starts. He didn't, he didn't go from that to like, but you know what? Let's all love each other and. And, you know, if it was one of those, like, not knowing, like, hey, we did it without, <laughs> but it, it, like, the next thing was just as. Yes, petty. exactly. And um, it's like, wow, all right, okay, so that's how it's going to go. Yep. So he, he launches into talking about the importance of frontal lobe, which is a lovely thing that Adventists like to talk about, um, especially when we talk about dancing or music. And uh, the, the, um, the importance of uh, keeping your frontal lobe uncompromised. So he talks about avoiding alcohol, nicotine, marijuana, etc. And um, he then he brings up caffeine, and he um, and he launches into this whole like sidebar tangent. But it's not even. It's like a main point of his message because he starts referencing studies to talk about how caffeine consumption is such a terrible, terrible thing. And he says, caffeine consumption leads to gossip. And he quotes Ellen White, who's, you know, kind of like a, the, the, a, a prophet within Adventism, though I wouldn't say prophet in the way that a lot of other, you know, denominations or yeah. other religious systems would, would, would use that term necessarily. But um, for some people, some Adventists regard her the same way, but I, I don't think properly regarding her that way um, would, properly regarding her as the prophet that we do would... Um, put us in a compromising situation. Uh, but yeah, caffeine consumption leads to gossip. So this blew up on Twitter. Uh, the tweet itself, like people saw, and it didn't get a, like a ton of attention itself, but people heard it, heard him say it, and saw other tweets where people were mentioning it, and it was out of this statement was born the hashtag gossip juice. And everyone yeah. watching uh, Annual Council was like just tweeting out pictures of their coffee in their hand watching Annual Council. On, on YouTube or at work yeah, with their gossip. That juice. was hilarious. It was, it, it really, really spurred on a ton of kind of passive, not even passive aggressive, but just like, um, just like a lot of annoyed people who just wanted to stick it to the man, so to speak. Oh yeah. It yeah. was hilarious. And like, it's just outrageous. Like this, this it's so yeah. like, to me, this comment completely, it, it, it is evidence of not necessarily, I don't want to say out of touch, but maybe I do, but just how far removed some of these individuals that are at annual council are actually from what we experience on the ground level. Yeah. Um, for that, sure. That's how it feels when like, this is such a tone deaf, a tone deaf comment to make. Even if, even if caffeine is a terrible, horrible thing, that's fine. I, I like, I, I'm not disagreeing that caffeine is bad, right? 
Um, what I'm, I don't think it leads to gossip. A, the study he quotes uh, gives what a correlation yeah. only because uh, the study that he quotes, I believe, references or uses ev- the only evidence it had was that a lot of the gossip at work in work environments happens in the coffee room, in the break room where people yeah. are drinking coffee. It's, it's not great science. No, it's not the best science in the world. And, um, but it's so tone deaf, like out of all of the issues that we face in Adventism or that Adventists face period, this is what you decide to talk about. Like you have 30 minutes or however long in front of all of GC, all of the general conference executive committee, people from all over the world, it's being live streamed online. And the thing you decide to talk about is caffeine, which predominantly is only is like a big thing in more Western or more developed countries anyway. So you're also now yeah. making a main point of your sermon targeted towards a certain portion of the church. Yep. We've got it. it go ahead. Sorry. I, I've been talking for a long time. This, no, one got, it, this it, whole thing has me heated, but yeah. You know, my issue isn't even really with Neil Nedley. I'm sure that that's, you know, he's, a, look, he's a traditional conservative health guy. Um, honestly, I, I expect that out of him at this yeah, point. Like, yeah. I'm not, this is not out of character for him at all. I'm disappointed in leadership for bringing him on in that way. Um. Mm. Because if you know what he's going to say and that's, that's the tone you're setting, then it's not just that Neil Nedley is tone deaf. I think he is, but it's that leadership again, displays this level of, You know, the science being bad is is one thing, but this constant, let's talk about Jesus, let's talk about Jesus, let's talk about Jesus, and then what we talk about is caffeine. Well, to me, it's it's it wasn't even in the sense of, it's almost like they want to invalidate the fact that I drink caffeine means if you drink caffeine, you can't talk to Jesus the same way I can. Therefore yes. anything you bring up is now caveated with, well, you drink caffeine. So I probably have a better connection to Jesus than you do. Yep. Um, and it's legalistic and, and uh, look legalist legalism gets a lot of bad rap in the sense that we kind of use it as a, oh, it's legal. But there's a very real issue with legalism and that it's, you're trying to control God. You're trying to control God in legalism. Legalism is all about control. Yeah. I am in control. Therefore, God, you have to do what I say because I am following the rules. Um, and that's what this is. It's, it's a magic, it's a magic way of ensuring. And I have no doubt that caffeine is not good for you. I'm not saying that it is good for you. I'm not saying drink all the coffee. What I am saying is instead of finding a way to bring people together, you acted like a parent poo-pooing and just, you know, yeah. Uh, uh, not berating your children, but demeaning your children and saying, Oh, oh, if you really want to, if you really want to be good, you don't do this thing. 
Mm. Good Adventists don't do this thing. And now, it's the, like, really? That's the what, other that's thing what too, you want to focus on? That's the tone you're going you're gonna to put out there? It is entirely possible that he was asked to speak on this too. So I don't want to just be like, I have no he, doubt. Like I yeah, have no doubt. That, that that there's, there's that too. Like I don't, I, I'm not trying to vilify Nedley specifically. I just think yeah. this was a huge, this was a waste of a platform of an opportunity. And, and beyond that, like, I, I, I have a lot to say. Yes. Gossip is not good. Gossip is not good. It's not important. Um, or, or sorry, it's not that it's not important. Gossip is not good. It's very bad. Um, it's not, it, it, it is one of the biggest thing that our church needs to face, but it's also not the biggest thing the church needs to face right now. Yeah. Cause my yep. big thing, and, and I, I, you're, it's, this is the worship. This is meant to be, this is not an information time. This is supposed to be morning worship. This is supposed to be us trying to focus on God. And, and setting our hearts around is, him. Well, you can't, you can't do this unless you eat healthy. Okay. But granted, but this isn't giving us a better picture of Jesus. This isn't exhorting us to turn our eyes on Jesus. This is, this be better is what it's trying to say. Yeah. Don't connect yeah. to him more. Don't I would even be fine if if they came up and said, you know, you're not reading the Bible enough. I'd be like, all right, petty, but fair. You know, you are how are you spending enough time in prayer, pastors? Are you, you know, are you devoting time to your families, pastors, mm. like leaders, you know? Like those are, are you are you making sure you're, you know, you're the pastors under your care. Are, give a, are yeah, no, give a message time. that that is that allows yeah, the that, Holy Spirit to convict individually, instead of are you drinking caffeine? And yeah. it's it's just it's just something that to me I look at and I just go it, it just it, it seems so tone deaf again. Okay, now let me and, be let let's be clear too. Um, I don't think this falls and anything we're doing falls within the uh, the category of gossip. And if well, they're not here to defend themselves, and, and you know they can't, you know they can't, um, they, they can't say anything. There are they are leaders. They made a public statement, and just like anything I do is up for criticism on this podcast or otherwise. Um, and same with Tony. Like anything a anything a leader, anything a creative puts out, like we are not allowed to we don't have the right to control how it's necessarily received like we can't say like you know, we don't have the right to say like this has to be received well and as a yeah. leader like you are accountable to to you know members of the church and if you're giving a worship thought at a major leadership event and major kind of world church event then yeah like that you fall into that category and the things that you say like it is I feel like the only people that would even try and accuse us of gossiping about him here are the people who, who really liked what he had to say more yeah. power to you. If you liked what he had to say, this is how we feel about this. And yeah. we do think this could be better there. We could be talking Absolutely. about sexual abuse. We could talk about racism. We could be talking about sexism. Yep. We could be talking about any number of things. And in an environment where it already trust has been being eroded continually between leadership and lay members of the church, between different levels of leadership in the church. Um, it seems like a waste to talk about caffeine when we could be building bridges here. Yeah. And why, why aren't we talking about integrity? Yeah. 
Exactly. Right. Why? Why are you we know? talking about literally? Let's talk about, any, let's talk about yeah. financial integrity and and you know what it talk. You know, be, be it's just there are so many other issues that even this is bringing up, the, like the GCAC brought up, uh, annual council brought up that we could be talking about. Yep. Um, if you want to do an exhortion, exhortation, right? But to me, I, I often say it's better to motivate people. I find that encouraging people gets a lot more done. So to me, the fact that you would come up and just like, you know, kind of sh- wag your finger in people's faces and go, oh, you're drinking caffeine, bad. Like, that, it, it's just, what are you trying to accomplish? That's my question. What's the end goal there? People stop yeah. drinking caffeine. You think, stop drinking. If you really think caffeine is the issue on the problems that we're facing, then let's have a conversation because... I do not believe that's the the main problem at all. Yeah. And I believe that facts are kind of on my side. So yeah, I I just think that that's a huge, you know, approximately 9 million young people have left the church since the 1960s, but yeah, it's because of caffeine. It's because we're drinking caffeine. It's the caffeine. Come on. All right, let's move on to uh, more, uh, you know, less, less controversial topics. And well, and, and just for the record, the rest of the morning worships weren't exactly stellar after that. In fact, the next guy I believe actually came up and like doubled down yeah. on certain things and like had this whole, if you, if you like have caffeine, you'll end up like at Eastern meditation, which for him was like the worst possible thing. I find ironic. He put it like above drugs and alcohol, but like, it's just, it's just, that was a tone that wasn't like a one hop. Like that was the morning worships for the rest of the time. So yeah. it clearly was what they were trying to put out. Like this wasn't a oops. Like this was the the tone that they were setting. Yeah, this was, this was, yeah, it's not about the money. It's about sending a message. Um, that That's very much what this was. So uh, the next big thing that we're going to talk about, and we're not talking about everything that happened at annual council, just the things that, that seemed the most human oriented. And what I mean is we're not talking about like tithe parity, for example, which is financial stuff. Um, because that's a bunch of numbers and data that like we could talk about. It just seems kind of impersonal though. I do think that vote, um, I will, I will touch on it near the end, but I think that the, the, yeah, that's not one of the things that we're going to focus on right this second. Um, the next big thing, and there'll be a link to this as well, um, was a statement created, um, uh, a, a statement, a proposed statement on abortion, a statement within Adventism is just like an official, um, it's an official published article or whatever from the, you know, written piece from the church that says this is what the Adventist church as a denomination officially kind of believes on this issue. This is the stance we take on this issue, basically. Um, It's not binding. It's not a statement in itself is just a statement. It just informs people what the Adventist church by and large as a denomination believes. It does not mean every individual has to believe it. It does not mean, um, but it does mean that individuals will have, will be assumed to believe it. um, You know, should someone see that statement and then meet an Adventist, right? Right, yeah. Um, so, like, that's that's part of the package. Um, and so we had, in 1992, we had guidelines on abortion that a lot of people loved. And um, then, yep. uh, as more and more people began talking about abortion, not just within the, um, not just within the religious context, but even political um, a lot more Advents started crying out about this because they were concerned about the number of abortions being done in Adventist hospitals. And so they, they, they cry because of people crying out to basically the GC saying like, we need to stop slaughtering babies in Adventist hospitals. 
yada yada, we you know we need we need a statement just officially condemning abortion outright because the 1992 guidelines, while disapproving and denouncing abortion, did leave room for you know extreme circumstances and left room for decision making power between you know the medical staff and the family going through yeah. that that it ba- difficult. It basically decision. said this is bad. We don't agree with it, but sometimes it has to happen. Yeah. Some, some, some cases, if this is, if this is a way you want to go, like understand that that's, that's available, but we don't agree with it. It wasn't like, yeah, go kill babies. We don't care. Like that wasn't the guideline. The guideline was, this is, this is not plan A, B, C, or D, but there are some times that it, it has to happen. And we leave that up to the parents and and people who know people in the situation who know the situation. Yeah. Now, the the irony of all of this is that someone within I think it was Adventist Health or Advent Health, I think it was Adventist Health, um, got up and showed a chart showing the number of abortions that had been done in Adventist hospitals between twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen, and the number was less than seventy five total. And these were not like elective, like I just wanna, you know, have an abortion today. Uh it was like it was serious life-threatening issues and, and, you know, extreme circumstances. And so less than 75 in two years. And I'm not saying that, oh, so, we, you know, we kill less than 75 people. It just doesn't matter. Uh, like, that, that's less important now. I'm just saying, no, I'm saying we, uh, I, I think the issue was made to out to be bigger than it, than it was, like a bigger crisis than it was. And I think we did, a lot of people in, in, in the West may have seen, uh, not Western U.S., but Western Adventism. So that would be kind of Australia, um, the U.S., you know, the the North American Canada, Division, yeah, Canada, Europe, Europe European countries. Though, yeah, that's that's the the West when we talk about the the, the West within the church. So I'm going to read a portion of the abortion statement. I'm not going to read the whole thing; just a portion of it that gives you an idea of what this talks about. Um, says, and I may yawn a couple of times because it's still early morning, and I keep catching myself. Oh, there it is. I've, it keeps happening to me. Um, <laughs> I blame you. Thank I blame you. you, Ryan. Abortion. I need some caffeine, man. Um, uh, abortion is a serious issue. Don't make a joke. Don't make a joke, Tony. Abortion is a serious issue. And the Seventh-day Adventist Church considers it out of harmony with God's biblical plan for human life. It affects the unborn, the mother, the father, immediate and extended family members, the church family, and society with long-term consequences for all. Believers aim to trust God and follow his will for them, knowing he has their best interests in mind. While not condoning abortion, the church seeks to support women and couples who are confronted with the possibility of abortion, and believers are challenged to, one, create an atmosphere of true love— Two, enlist the help of well-functioning and committed families and educate them to provide care for struggling individuals, couples, and families. Three, encourage church members to open their homes to those in need, including single parents, parentless children, and children in adoptive or foster care. Four, care deeply and support in various ways pregnant women who decide to keep their unborn children. And number five, provide emotional and spiritual support to those who have aborted a child for various reasons or were forced to have it done and may be hurting physically, emotionally, and or spiritually. The issue of abortion presents enormous challenges, but it gives individuals and the church the opportunity to be what they aspire to be, the fellowship of brothers and sisters, the community of believers, the family of God. So that's how the document ends. It's kind of a big summary of the this, this statement. That's, you know, that would be, um, that, that gives you an idea of, of what the statement is now. And a lot of people criticize this because they, they say that it, it has moved up from a place of compassion and understanding to a place of condemnation. Um, 
And and I noticed something in reading this that I didn't notice before, but the believers aim to trust God and follow his will for them, knowing he has their best interests in mind. That statement is a clear, like, I, I don't know how else to read it. I'm, you know, it's fact. We do. Like, that's a, that's a true statement in general, right? But within the context of this and saying it's out of harmony, what it's basically saying is if you don't, if you, the implication here is if you have an abortion, you didn't trust God enough. That's the... That that's the implication from that statement being placed where it is in the context that it exists. I don't agree. I don't disagree with the statement like on its own on an, in a vacuum, but right. here it seems like it's an unnecessary guilt trip. And so a lot of people, yeah, complain that this, this, this is condemnation. This is a guilt trip. And the, you know, the last thing I'll say in Tony, then, then it's, you know, up to you here. Um, is this is a three-page document. Really, it's like two pages and a few lines, I think. But it might be three full pages. I don't remember exactly. Once again, link in the show notes. Uh, there's uh, So the way, this is like a legal document. Whenever we're voting on, on, on policies or statements or whatever we have, we line, we have, you know, we number the lines in the document so we can clearly yeah. refer to, to these things. Yeah, um, easily, like a legal document. Legal exactly. Do this. Um, so there's 122 lines total. Now you might say, well, Ryan, number five and the things that were listed does, you know, provide compassion and, and tells church members to, to support and, and provide emotional and spiritual support to those who have aborted a child for various reasons. That's fine. You're right. It does. Here's the problem. That is the only place in the entire document that I could find that actually even speaks to people who've, who've had an abortion. Only two lines, two full lines out of 122 lines total speak to people who've actually been in that position. Only two. The rest of it's like the other 99% of this document just spends time telling, telling you that your decision was wrong. It's out of harmony with God and is, is a giant guilt trip basically for it's a reminder that of the thing you did was a terrible, terrible thing. And um, it does not, this does not do anything to actually pull someone out of that, that, that dangerous or, you know, that, that emotionally maybe potentially even harmful place that they might be in. Have they, you know, if they had an abortion, especially if they were forced to have it by someone else, you know, whether it's a manipulative, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, or, you know, boyfriend or, um, significant spouse or family, whatever parents, parents yeah. any number of, you know, individuals can make that. But this is like, it is, it, it, it is, so far weighted on the, this is a terrible, terrible thing. You should never do this, that it doesn't do anything to actually meet with grace and, and, and love the people who've actually been through it already. Regardless of reason, it doesn't mention anything about rape. In fact, some leaders and some delegates said, we don't even need to talk about rape. It's not that big of an issue. And we were like, what? So, yeah, that's that's my two cents for now. I got one more thing on this a little bit later, but yeah, Tony, you're, what are your what are your thoughts here? You know, I think the biggest thing it's not preventative. Mm. If you want to prevent abortion, don't say abortion is bad. Give people solutions. This is what I've always said to the anti-abortion, and I'm very clear when I say this. I'm, I don't say pro-life because I found the majority of people who are anti-abortion are not pro-life because they are pro-gun. They are pro-penalty, uh, uh, um, uh, death penalty. Um, so they're not pro-life. 
they're anti-abortion. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying you're not pro-life. Unless you value life above everything else, um, environmentally, all that, you're not pro-life. So the anti-abortion crowd, I have found, does not want to provide solutions. Um, they don't want to... There, there's no... Since we take this hard stance, now the responsibility of the church, every church has to have a fund to help with uh, orphans. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Every single church needs to have a fund to help with young mothers, to help them bring the child through, uh, pay for doctor's visits, pay for vitamins, pay for every single church needs to have. There's nothing on that end. There's just don't have an abortion. Mm. Okay. So. And again, this is, this is not talking about a mother who could have six or seven healthy babies, uh, but now feels pressured to, because she's in a, in a terrible medical situation, um, go through and have the child. And now she and the child could die. Um, you know, I, I, it just, it just takes, it just it doesn't take any situation. And, and, and my thing is this whole thing to me is superfluous. The, the original guidelines were not pro abortion. Technically. Yes. The, the official stance of the church was pro choice. Technically. Yeah. You had to get there like semantically. It was, it it was definitely like favored life because it, because it didn't, because it didn't absolutely say you cannot do it under any circumstance in that sense. Yes, it was pro-choice, but it, it, you know, when you actually read the statement, it wasn't like they were like, yeah, you know, go kill them, whatever. We don't care. It was very anti-abortion. Yeah. And then it said, but there are some times where if in consultation and whatever it, sometimes it needs to happen. Because we live in a world of sin. And I think that's the big thing, is it takes an ideological stance in a world of sin. Like, yeah. it does not account for that. Like, it no, just, there shouldn't be any like abortions in heaven. Yeah, there should not be any abortions in heaven. I 100% agree with that. Or on the new earth. Yeah, because we don't need death. There's no situation where that could be, you know what I mean? Uh, the, the, the better yeah. of two evils. There's no situation. Yeah. And now you can argue, we can argue to we're blue in the face as to whether, you know, the ethics behind rape and this and all that. We can. We can talk about that psychologically. We talk about all the science behind that. But at the end of the day, when you take a stance like that, this is never, ever, 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 all you're doing is making people feel unsupported. And the fact that they, well, they inserted a couple lines here. You know, it just feels like I, I once had someone in a leadership position yell at me for 45 minutes and basically introduce themselves by yelling at me and a group of my peers for 45 minutes um, and threatening us. And and then after this 45 minutes of, of telling us all the things that we needed to do or else, uh, they then said, but, you know, we're here for you. So anything you have, you know, don't feel free to talk to us. And I was like, I'm never going to talk to you. Exactly. Are you Yes. Are thank you crazy? You. Like I'm never coming to you after uh, that's how you want to start it by yelling at me for 45 minutes. Heck no. Yep. And I didn't. Um, 
because it it just again it sets a tone that <laughs> to me it's not conciliatory. It doesn't bring hope. It doesn't give us solutions. It doesn't do any of that. All it does is condemn. Yeah. Um, it makes people who have had abortions feel worse and it makes anyone who's debating it for, for health reasons. Now, that being said, I believe everyone is going to come before judgment and God. Why don't we leave that up to God? Why don't we say, we don't think this is a good thing, but if you feel like you have to, just understand, we believe from a biblical perspective that God values life. And if you're a mature Christian, you will do you will do in consultation with the Holy Spirit what you feel is right. But understand, we don't see a biblical basis for this. Well, and 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 the, the, I have no problem with that type of a statement. I have no problem with that type of statement. And and if that's what had been said, I would have been like, yeah, okay, that's fair. Even if it had used kind of yeah. the harsh language, but had said, now, that being said, there are cases, there are things. We we do not see a biblical basis for this. We believe in the value of life, so we're going to, mm-hmm. but but we understand that we live in a world of sin. That was never said. Yeah. It was never said. What's, what's annoying. And so now we've taken, we've taken on God's job of judging people. And and let's not let's not act like this was round one of this document. This thing before it went to the working group that only had six women on it out of twenty six members that actually wrote this specific statement. Um, they uh, the the Biblical Research Institute, which is kind of the, the the academic arm of the church outside of a seminary, kind of like they they do a lot of uh, the theologian style work for us. Um, the actual like original language. And yeah, what does this word? Uh, really they mean? they were tasked originally with creating a document and a statement on this for annual council. And they got through almost 30 drafts of the document. And throughout the entire process, medical professionals were telling them like, yeah, so it doesn't mention extreme cases. It doesn't actually help us make these medical decisions at all. Did not listen at all. So this thing has gone through like 30 revisions, 30 different, like revised versions of it. And we still didn't include anything about extreme circumstances. Well, they didn't listen to any of the medical professionals. And from what I understand, there was a heavy-handed presence from the GC involved in it. So basically, yes. this document is the GC's. It's their version now. GC administration. Now because, Let's be specific. Yeah, administration. It's GC administration. administration. Not executive committee. Not like this is. No, now, granted, executive well, committee now. approved this. It is yes, now because it is they now. approved it. Yes, but it's their. What does the Bible say? There's no. So this is their language, um, from what I understand, and that to me just it, it just. Yeah, it's when you don't listen to the medical professionals and I get that you're making a theological statement, but when you're not listening to the people who act, who actually have to be there on the ground, I, again, it just, it's that type of thing where there was, there was no hope. There was no hope. There was no, Hey, this is not good. Yeah. But we live in a world of sin. So, so you will have to face God, but ultimately this, if, if you're if you're looking for guidance from the church, this is our stance. Yeah, this is what we believe. But but you know, you have to do what's right with your own conscience. No, that's not what they said. They said this is wrong, and you're a bad person for doing it. Basically, now and and here's here's something that really that here's here's a, here's a low light of the discussion that happened before the vote. Right, um, this is this is something I noticed. I don't think 
I think I'm the one who pointed it out. Like, I don't think anyone else noticed this, or if they did, they never said anything. And I'm not saying, like, oh, I'm so great. I'm just saying, like, I don't know how more people didn't see this when it happened, because, like, you can literally read it happening in the play-by-play. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Graham, a union president who will come up a little bit later, um, asked eventually, he, he, he went up and asked, if this will become policy, this statement would become a policy. Sometimes these things happen, he says. When what starts as guidelines become a statement, that becomes a policy. Uh, Stelle, I think that's how you say his name. Um, yeah, Stelle. Yeah. Stelle, who is a GC administrator, uh, assures that this issue will end with a statement. That's all it will be, he says. Literally, if you if you're looking at the, the live tweets from Spectrum. And it's probably this way on the, because they're, they're saying this after, you know, they, they, they'll tweet after a delegate speaks, uh, literally two minutes later, Tom Lemon gets up and says that the 90, 1992 guidelines kind of came out of nowhere. We need a statement first, and then we will build better guidelines off the new statement, but we need a statement first. That is a better forget progression. So literally two, the, the, he's, it's, it's literally, I think two, like it's the second tweet or the second delegate. Second thing said after Stelle assures that it's just going to be a statement. That's it. Not going to go any further. And then another GC Adcom member says, uh, actually, yeah, no, this is a good starting place for us, but we're going to get, you know, new guidelines and, and we're going to, yeah, do we're going to keep going. Then as the discussion ends on, on Monday, um, they decide to table it. They're going to send it back for a couple revisions and then they're going to vote on it Wednesday morning. So at the end of the day, Monday, um, lemon, Tom lemon goes up and says, um, Today's discussion is concluded. The revised document will be brought up Wednesday morning for vote. Ted Wilson then states that if if this doc passes, there will be working groups created to develop protocols for the health institutions, etc. And he says he's being very careful to not use the word guidelines. So literally, you have Adcom talking out both sides of their mouth. They're not even unified on this and nor did they no one no one issued a correction no one said actually Stelly was was misinformed here you know this is this is going to be the starting place and and this is the direction we're going to go no they straight up lied at this point whether it's they lied because they didn't correct it or they lied because they literally like they they said one thing and then they and then two more people said the exact opposite immediately after the assurance like it, yep. it is this yep. is the kind of thing that we're that we watch happen and it just is angering to us. It it's dishonest. It is. Like I don't I'm not even trying to spin that. Like this is it it's here. He says, No, this is a statement, it's all it's gonna be. And then someone says, Nope, we're gonna build guidelines off of it. Nope, we're gonna develop protocols and create working groups on it. Like there's no other way to read that. I don't I don't know how you read that any other way. I'm not even trying to be and mad. You can semantically get around, well, they didn't use the word guidelines. They didn't use the word policy. Yeah. Okay. But what is you're a doing protocol? This, you're doing what it is. A protocol is a policy. Yeah. You didn't follow it's a written, protocol. It's a writ. It's a, you didn't follow protocol. You didn't follow policy. Like it's literally, it might legally have a distinction, but yep. it's the same thing. I can't wait. I, I think I tweeted this out when I when I pointed it out online, and I was like, I you know, I give it four years before we're talking about protocol noncompliance. That's that's what I, I think I, I mean, tweeted it, it's out. It's just, yeah, it's that, just, uh, yeah. So this is this is the kind of thing that angers me so much, and that's not even like that's that's the thing that angers me about leadership the most. But obviously, the abortion statement to the women and families that this impacts, like, hear it from us, you know we're sorry that this has happened. Uh, we're sorry that this has gone through. Um, and I, you know, I, 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 
it, it, it something I'll say at the end, but I never think that the solution to these problems is disengaging. I think we have to engage more with the process. And I think if we want to see some changes to the system, um, it's going to happen generationally, not necessarily overnight. We can't just hope that the next annual council, that uh, the, the entire world will have shifted on this, the, on some issue. Um, this happens by us getting involved and getting engaged and getting uh, seats at those tables. Um, the the last thing that we're going to kind of talk about, and it's 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 a it's a kind of an amalgamation of of two things. I love using that word in Adventist conversations. Um, is uh, Monday night after they talk about complicated issues regarding finances and tithe parity, and right after um, they talk about this abortion statement, right, a day full of heavy discussions and meetings. At 6 p.m. as delegates are leaving for the night, they're handed a document that no one knew was coming called Recommendations Resulting from the 2018 Annual Council Compliance Action. And this document was calling for the official or formal warning of four unions regarding their non-compliance, quote, their, quote, non-compliance with ordination policy. And then um, it was calling for the public reprimand of two union presidents in the North American Division, um, in the Pacific Union Conference and the Columbia Union Conference. And yes, unions, many unions are called Union Conference, just so we get that confusion out of the way, even though they're not like a conference, like a state conference. It's a union. Yeah, it's a union, yes. Um, the, the publicly reprimand the presidents of both of those for, um, for actively ordaining women or allowing women to be ordained in their, their territories. And um, two things I want to point out here. One, one of the European unions uh, was being warned or was, was recommended to be warned because, um, they weren't ordaining anyone. And apparently even that was out of compliance, according to, to Ted. Yeah. He said this last year at annual council, he said, yeah, not ordaining anyone and just commissioning everyone is also out of policy, which is funny because it says men or women can be commissioned. Uh, and B, uh, his big reason for it being out of policy is this is get this. It's just the way it's understood. It's been the way we've always done it. That was his big reasoning for it. So in an, in a thing where he's literally, trying to follow, literally, yeah. that's a quote. Yeah. That's, I, a quote. Like, that's not us paraphrasing. Said, that's the way we've always that's understood what he it. Said. And, that's the way we've always understood it. And like, so he's trying to enforce written policy by, by historic tradition. That's what he's, that's what he's trying to do there. Um, but, the the other side of this, and there's is there is a very very strong argument to be made here that the GC has no and divisions don't have any authority over ordination because it's the unions who handle ordination anyway. And with this act, with this recommendation, the GC is skipping a step of the church ladder where every every you know church body is is accountable to the group directly above and directly below it. And uh, GC skipping the divisions to directly punish these unions. And the problem with this. Is that like you? If you think a warning and a reprimand are not that bad, um, the problem is those are one step. One is the warning. Step two is the reprimand. Step three is potential. It has. It takes a two third majority vote from executive committee to remove voice and vote um, of a. You know, in other words, remove someone from the executive committee. So the the next step, if these people were reprimanded in a year, could potentially if they don't. You know, if they're not able to convince their constituency to change their minds on the th- issues they voted on. Um, it could be that they lose their spot in executive committee. Like that is a potential um, issue or that's a potential result. Um, so there, there's some, there, there, there's some issues here. Um, so last year we voted to, or the GC Adcom created compliance committees. These were organizations tasked with investigating entities that were, um, 
that were reported as being out of compliance on specific issues. There were five different committees created. Uh, executive committee voted to uh, to approve not necessarily the compliance committees existed anyways, but the the executive committee just voted to approve the actual process that the committees would go through. Committees had no power of themselves; they only had power to make recommendations. So then annual, so administrative committee basically skips the compliance committees because they had been so negatively talked about. They said, yeah, we're just not going to use them. We're just going to make ourselves a compliance committee and just make an official recommendation. There was no investigation done. They were never, they never announced that they were going to do that. They just did it. And they say their claim is that over the last several years of this discussion was the investigation. And um, I have two main issues with, with Ted Wilson here. Number one, and I can finally talk about this stuff. Because it's a pattern now. Before, it felt like it was not necessarily speculation, but I didn't feel like I had solid footing to talk about some of this stuff. But I've watched him do this every year now for the last five years. uh, Or four years. Which is, um, he has a pattern of every time there's a controversial statement that he knows isn't going to be received well, he introduces it with as little time as possible and with as much secrecy as possible in order to minimize any response to it and minimize people's time to... Uh, find errors or holes in the in in the document that he's introducing. He hands it to do, to to delegates when they're exhausted from a day full of meetings, like and he he'd say we're going to talk about it tomorrow morning or tomorrow, right? And the second thing he does is every time he introduces the 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 subject of women's ordination, or almost every time. I don't want to speak in full, you know. Um, people only have to disprove that once, but almost every always time, never. yep. Uh, almost every time he talks about this, he always opens with this big preamble about how this is so hard for him and how he doesn't want to do this. And he'd rather be presiding over other things like mission and strategy, but no, he, you know, this is really hard for him. It's not easy. And it's been such a huge stress on him. Um, and he makes this about himself every year. And it annoys me so much. It it feels manipulative. It feels gross because this isn't about you. Like you accepted GC president role. You accepted this. You ran for it. Like you 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 campaigned for it. Basically, uh, you wanted this. This is part of the job. And you can say, sure, I don't like specific parts of my job. That's fine. But that's not the place for you to do it. Sorry. Um, this is not about you. And I'm not going to vote on a world church issue that affects thousands and thousands of women just because the GC president has his feelings hurt. I'm not going to do it. I'm sorry. Like that's not, it, it would be irresponsible and it does feel emotionally manipulative because at the end of the day, there are many, there are many cultures in the world that see the world church president and go, that's the, that's the authority you know, it, it's this kind of, um, like it's this this understanding that authority you have to respect authority it is what it is you know and what they say this is the goes. parents yes. we're the children so if you're hurting the parent well we have to follow the parent it does feel emotionally manipulative and culturally manipulative to some extent and so I have those two issues with Wilson and the way this has happened let alone now the the motion did get amended and instead of reprimanding the union presidents from the NAD all six unions just received a warning instead and kudos to executive committee to for calling out the GC adcom on this. And basically going, no, you're like, this isn't, you're out of policy with your own document. Um, no, we don't do it this way. We don't just skip to the reprimand step. We're going to, you know, we're okay if we warn them and follow step one, but we're not going to let you skip a part of this um, or skip this part of it. So kudos to executive committee for, you know, standing the ground there. But, um, you know, let, let's talk about compliance in general, right? Because they're not the only things that like, this is a weird thing to point out in comparison to just how many entities are out of compliance. 
So Tony, walk us through walk us through a little bit of like just how bad the compliance stuff is. Well, I mean, we've been saying this for years, like literally since they kind of brought up. Well, in compliance, it's like they themselves actually the next day brought up the fact that seventy nine percent of unions and divisions and entities are out of compliance. Like 79%, 80% of the world church is out of compliance in some way or another. Um, and the majority of it is uh, financially. The majority of it is financially. And I can say with almost 100% certainty that I know every union uh, is in financial compliance in the NAD. Um, and I know that, uh, and I'm pretty sure every conference there may be one or two that are not financially in compliance, but I know that with the auditing and everything, like pretty much every union is, is in compliance financially in the NAD. So it means that like, that's pretty much the, the only division that's not, cause that's 20, you know, 20% of the world church is not causing a problem. They are not out of compliance. Now, they did say, well, 50% of that's just clerical stuff. And I'm like, well, that doesn't matter if it's clerical or not. That means that there's still 20% basically that are severely out of compliance. Yeah, a fifth of the world church is out of compliance. On Financially. This. Yeah. Like, so it's just this kind of thing where you're like, you're going to make a big deal about being out of compliance. To me, I go back to the integrity of, of money. Being out of compliance to me holds a way higher standard because that's one of the 10 commandments. Do not steal. And when you're out of compliance financially, that's the inference is that shady things are going on. Now I understand that for legal, like for legal reasons and for actual pragmatic reasons, some conferences kind of have to be out of compliance and they have to say things are a certain way when they are not. And that's lying, which Bearing false witness, but I understand that, hey, we live in a world of sin and sometimes these things need to happen. But yeah, like it's just, it feels disingenuous because there's so many people out of compliance. And yet the only unions that are being given a slap on the wrist for being out of compliance are the ones that specifically are doing it for women's ordination. Mm. Well, and, and like this is a fight that the GC picked to some extent. Like, no, yeah. like, well, that's the other thing with Wilson is like, you started this. So yeah. Um, and, and the, 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 the problem I have too, is like, just like the caffeine thing, like this is not the most serious issue facing our church. I'm sorry. It's not, um, whether or not women should be ordained. Um, and I'm not saying women aren't important, but it's like, there are so many other things we could be talking about and we're spending our time disciplining unions over this instead of maybe disciplining unions or conferences or divisions or whomever over allowing potentially known predators, sexual predators, or, uh, to run their, uh, you know, to, to still be in churches or in positions of power. Uh, this is the... We don't talk about uh, fake degrees. We don't talk about um, we don't talk about financial mis or like embezzling of funds. We're not talking about any I mean, of that stuff at the world David, church level. David Trim's yeah, David J. Trim was the status guy, uh, the statistician basically of the world church. He came in and said, yeah, since the the sixties or the seventies, we've basically lost forty percent of the people who come in our doors. Not like oh they died, like forty percent of the people that we brought in have walked away. 
we're not talking about that. No, 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 no. But you can't let women open and close a church. Yeah. That's, that's like, what we're going like, to, it's moral. It's, it's not even moral. Grandstanding. It's just grandstanding. On. Like it's not, it makes you feel like you've accomplished something, but you actually haven't. And it's virtue signaling, not even a good, and not even in a good way. And, and here's any, uh, Dan Jackson, uh, is famous for two different quotes now that he said at this, uh, during this time. The first thing he says is he says, um, with this motion, we are saying, uh, this misdemeanor is bigger than the much uh, than the much serious issues like fraud, much more serious issues like fraud and voting manipulation that have been exposed in the church but never addressed by this body. And then he says, let he who is without policy noncompliance cast the first vote. And um, this is NAD North American Division President Dan Jackson. So, you know, Canada, America. Um, this is uh, th- this was a big point. Like what it's saying is we don't care. We, we care about this. And this is much bigger than any other issue facing our church right now. Like this is the most pressing thing that we need to somehow resolve. And it's nowhere near being resolved. In fact, most of the unions that said it were like, yeah, we're proud to be warned at this point. Like we're going to keep doing what we're going to do. And everyone is following their conscience. Ted Wilson's following his conscience. They're yeah. following their conscience. Like no one's going to, yeah. it's not like Ted Wilson has openly said, God's going to have to tell him personally that ordaining women is okay before he'll change his mind. And, um, and, th- and this is the other thing. If you're the board chair, like, which are not the board chair, but if you're the, the, you know, the, the executive committee chair, like it is very clear what his bias is. And as the chair, you're supposed to be remaining as unbiased and independent as possible. And this instead he used his position to basically respond to every delegate, correct them on stuff uh, wherever he felt like, Oh, you were, you were, you know, just one small point of correction there. Uh, you were technically wrong on this. Um, like he inserts himself into this stuff and there's no need to like, we could talk about the fact that a lot of people criticize him, but the things we criticize him for a lot of it, he didn't have to do. Like he didn't even have to put himself in that position. And he does. And for women who see this happen and feel devalued by their church, um, for most members, you're not going to feel the effects of this kind of thing unless you have a woman pastor. But like for me, one of the reasons I'm so involved in this is because this is affecting colleagues and friends of mine who are basically being actively denied the opportunity to follow God's call in their life. It's like the church is almost is standing in the way of them following God's call. That's what it's, that's what it feels like to them. And I am sorry to anyone who feels that way. And I want to affirm anyone's calling. And I want you to know that God is able to open doors where, where, where the church may try and sometimes shut them. And so I would, I would say to you, like, keep trusting in God's call. Um, know that there's a reason he called you to what he has called you to do um, and pursue it. And um, I'm happy to be in noncompliance here because I, I do believe that this is important. Um, I believe this is incredibly important. And um, I mean, I'm not happy well, to be in non-compliance. It's just, just like I'm like, willing to be. I just want to point out. No, I'm I'm happy to be because here's the thing. Ellen White was in non-compliance when she created unions. Yeah. She wrote the GC saying, hey, we really need a union out here. Uh, the GC, because of the, you know, it was a letter from Australia, which, you know, back in those days was the equivalent of shipping something from China today. Like, it's basically, you're going to get it in three months. And by the time the letter had gotten there and gotten back, like unions had been working for several months, but the GC was like, no, no, we don't think that's a good thing. But Mm. she just went off and did it. I'm like, yeah. So historically I'm on pretty good. Like if I'm in noncompliance, I'm in pretty good. I'm in pretty good company. Um, 
you know, I, it's just, it's just a constant. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where this is a practical issue. We can keep calling it a theological issue, but Tosk has already come out. They've already said it's not a theological issue. So at this point, it's just a practical one. It's a cultural one. It's a political one. And I have no problem being politically out of compliance. Theologically, I have an issue. If, if Tosk had come back and said the Bible is clear, um, all of them, you know, maybe one me one or two outliers, but all of them to come back and said, no, the Bible is clear. This is not meant to be. Okay. You know what? Okay. I might not like it. I might not agree with it, but it's the Bible. So I'm not going to fight it. But they were like, no, this isn't a theological thing. So, okay. If it's just a cultural and political thing, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem following my conscience. Yeah. Um, which is what it is. I mean, and that's the thing that we need to realize with this. So many of these issues that they're, the health message is non-salvific. You can make it, you can, you can manipulate Ellen White all you want to make it about your salvation. But ultimately, unless God himself has come to you and said, stop drinking caffeine, it's not a salvific issue. It's not. It might so be. So whenever these people make it, it might be in your individual case. Yes. Anything, in can be, case. anything that keeps someone from being saved right, is a salvific yeah. issue. So it it's can be individually, issue. but it, that does not mean that but, we can legislate it as one as for everyone. It's not like murder or stealing yes. or shall we say fraud, yeah. voter manipulation. Those things are the, like never good ever, 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 ever. Nobody who's, who commits fraud is like, well, you know, I mean, really, that's more of a God telling you, no, it's always bad. It's always bad. You lie about certain, like, it's always bad. So these are the types of things that's like, this is not, this is not a salvation issue. This is a theological, this is not a theological issue. This is a political issue and a cultural issue. And for that, I'm asked, you know, like, again, the whole thing about one sort nation is we're not saying that Africa and uh, inter America and South America and India, that they have to ordain their women. We're asking in places where it is culturally acceptable, let's have everyone be a worker. Let's just have no distinction. Mm. That's all they're asking for. It's the same respect. And so when you, when you, you know, when you push it in that way, these people who are just like, it's a theological, it's not. Yep. Couldn't agree more. It's not. It might be clear to you, but the people that we pay to study the Bible have said it's not. So it's a cultural thing. Yeah. And for that reason, I don't have a problem with it. Um, and and I th- I think I think th- again this boils down to the, the this is a this is a political issue of the GC wanting to step forward and assert its own power as as an entity which it's not supposed to be it's supposed to be an organizing entity it's supposed to be a empowering a yeah like oh we see that there's an you know we need more missionaries in this part of the world let's set them there let's you know let's organize so we can do that. That's the purpose of the GC, not to say, oh, well, you know, you need to start, you know, it's not meant to be disciplinary per se in that sense. It is in certain instances, but it's not meant to, to specifically say like you are good and you are bad. That's, that's the world church, not the GC office. Mm. And so it's become that way and they're trying to assert their power. And that's what this is about. And again, it, it, from the top down, from the morning worship across. 
this is what it's been about. And that's to me, that's troubling. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. And I think we are in a place where the, the organization is becoming way more top heavy and in, in a, in a organization that is supposed to be all about empowering and removing barriers to mission. It seems like there's, there's more and more that is trying to, um, to just protect those at, 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 in those positions and and, and uh, gain more authority well, and, and more power in those positions. They did that study, and basically, administrators are one to one right now. Yeah, um, with pastors in uh, in most divisions. It's in the NAD, we're point eight administrators for every one pastor in the NAD right now. And uh, basically, from nineteen eighty eight, I think, or nineteen eighty six to now, um, the the there used to be a almost a 20,000 person difference or number difference between the number of pastors and administrators used to be that many more pastors. Now it's basically almost, it's really close that when there's a, there's a link to the tweet where the, the, the graph from David trim, the official Adventist, like from the office of, uh, of stats and research and is like this, this was presented at GC Stats people. Yeah. Yeah, Like this is, I can never remember the name of the organization, but like that's a It's official. This is not like we're not making this up. This came from within the denomination. So it is symptomatic. It, it, it points to the problem of the fact that we have become very top heavy. And I do believe that the solution to that is not by us looking for them to fix our problems, but by us, um, by us owning our faith, owning our platforms, owning our voices and standing up and saying, you know, this is not the church. This is not the Adventism that we want. I mean, maybe it is for some people. Um, in which case we need to have a discussion and we need to keep, we, we need to try and try and build bridges wherever we can. But, um, for now, this is where I sit on all of this. Um, I'm frustrated, I'm angry and I'm hurt by it. You might be as well. Um, and so if you are, I would encourage you to, to go listen to part two of this episode with Matthew Lucio, as he and I talk about, um, how we kind of navigate through this and what the next steps are. But Tony, any final thoughts you want to leave people with before we close out? Well, you know. I mean, first, I, I just, I'm very disappointed in a lot of the GC leadership, um, just in the tone that they're taking. Um, and now they've, they've publicly come out and made statements that, I, you know, that used to be in back rooms. That used to be a hush-hush, you know, allegedly they said this, you know, I can't, I can't reveal my sources, but this happened. Now they're just flat out saying it publicly. Yeah. And it, that disappoints me. I've lost a lot of respect. Um, and, and confidence in mm. these administrators, unfortunately, um, because of the attitude there's, they're displaying. Um, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of positives that can come out of this, you know, uh, the NAD got parody, you know, I think that's good. I think the rest of the church stepped up and said, you know what, we're going to stop relying. We're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to find ways to step up to the plate. And I think that's awesome so that, you know, the NAD can, can use more money into their own mission. And I think that's great. Um, the other thing is when the GC wanted to overstep its own bounds and break its own rules and skip a step with, you know, going straight to, the reprimand. to reprimanding these GC presidents, an overwhelming majority. I want to say it was over two thirds. Yeah, it was over two thirds. No. It was. Voted no. Yep. You have to warn them that's you have to play by the rules that you now the rules may be the whole rule may be messed up, but you at least have to abide by what you declared. And to me, that's a positive because they're saying, look, we don't agree with what they're doing, 
but you can't just do what you want. And to me, I think that's a big, big, big statement. Mm. Um, yeah. Well. Um, so, yeah, I think there's definitely some positives moving yeah. forward. Let's good let's to take out of it. And I would say continue to pray for your leaders. Continue to pray for yourselves as you are in your own emotions and faith as you're dealing with this. Um, and remember that your faith is resting in Jesus Christ, not in an institution or an organization or a denomination. So thank you guys so much for listening. Enjoy part two with Matthew Lucio. We'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.